Hebrews 13. You'll be happy to know our scripture text is short today. Hebrews chapter 13 and verse number 8. Look at somebody close to you and tell them, I'm glad you came to church. To all of our guests that are here, I honor you today. So glad that you've come to worship with us. Our online guests, we're honored to have you. Thank you for worshiping with us. 13 and 8 of Hebrews. Could we do something a little different and just read it together? Can we do that? Hebrews chapter 13, verse number 8. If you don't have your Bible, it's on the screen. Let's read it together. Let's go. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday and today and forever. Jesus Christ, the same. Hallelujah. Oh, yes. Now, for a lot of folks, this is going to be rhetoric. This will seem quite rhetorical. But I want to tell you that I have personally been to the tomb where they say they put him. He is not there. I've, I've been in the room where they said, this is where he laid. But about 30, 36 hours in, something starts to transpire and 48 hours passes by. And then on that third day, there was, a, there was a shaking and they came to the garden tomb and that stone that was supposed to have sealed him in had been rolled away and it wasn't rolled away by men. The Bible said it was rolled away and the angels of the Lord rolled it back. And he who was dead was now living. The resurrection is paramount and pivotal. To all understanding of who we are and the permanence of our faith. And I declare to you today that the Savior that we serve. There are some that worship a God who you can go to his grave and he's still there. There are some that worship gods in which they have called on for many years now. Yet never has he answered. But our Savior, not only is he alive and well. But he is as close as the mention of his name. And he is in this house today. Hallelujah. I want to preach to you today, Jesus the same. You may be seated in Jesus' name. I want to give you a good report today. I want you to know that God has never stopped working. He is continuing to work right now. And people that you have been praying for, God is answering and he is responding. Souls are being moved, hearts are being turned. We have been praying for prodigals and backsliders and sinners, people that we've been reaching to. And I have on several occasions over the last few days been in contact with and touched by people who have said, you know, if it hadn't been for what we've gone through over the last few weeks, we probably would not have been watching. But we want you to know that we've been watching service. And so today, I give God praise for moving mountains that we've never seen. For opening doors we didn't know he was opening. For working on our behalf when we had no clue what he was doing. Amen. 
If we know anything today, we know that much is uncertain. There is nothing more certain and more impressive, in my opinion, than the transitory nature of all earthly things. Earth is a constantly changing, moving, evolving figure that man has tried to figure out and put their finger on the pulse of everything that's happening. Science has tried to figure it out. I remember when I was a boy in the early 80s, they were saying that the earth was getting ready in the next 25 to 30 years, the earth was getting ready to freeze over and that we were going to have uh, frozen issues because at the rapid growth of humanity and population that the earth um, had been shifted and that, that it was going to freeze over. And then in the 90s, there were some political figures that started talking and said, in the next 20 to 30 years, if we don't do something, the, the earth is warming at a rapid rate. And the glaciers and ice caps are all melting. We're going to all wash away because of global warming. So we went from global freezing to global warming. And I want to tell you that the people that were confused about those two things are still confused today. And the scientists that have thought through the years, they were getting close to figuring things out. They're still very confused. The doctors who really feel like they're getting ready to figure everything out about the human body still have to call their work practice. Because while under the influence of great knowledge and wisdom... You understand that nobody knows our frame like the great physician. Nobody. I have watched over my short lifetime things evolve. I have watched NASA scientists who said we have finally found the end of a thing. Only to discover that the thing that was limiting them was their ability to see further into the abyss than they could presently see. And the more they magnified their perspective, really the more they magnified God. Because the further they could see, the more they found out He just keeps on going. When they thought they had found the end of our galaxy, they realized that beyond that galaxy there is another galaxy. And when they thought they had found the furthest star, they found out all they were seeing was the light from a star that was even further than that star. And that the light that they were just now seeing was the light that had started shining when Abraham was standing before the Lord and he called him out of Ur of Chaldees. And it took 3,000 years for us to see the light that had shined that night on the earth. And it lets you know that the timing of God is impeccable, that on the night that our Savior was born that there were wise men in the east that looked up and they saw a star and when they saw this star they rejoiced with exceeding great joy these were wise men astronomers 
And they knew in that moment that what was happening was beyond them because God did not just shine the light of that star that night, but they realized if you understand anything about the way the light travels, that light started traveling long before an angel came to a virgin and said, that which is conceived in you is of the Holy Ghost. What I'm telling you is that God has a plan in an ever-evolving and ever-changing world where some feel like they've got it figured out, you're going to realize at some point in your life His ways are not like our ways as far as the heavens are above the earth. I feel like preaching on Sunday morning. I know some people are still trying to figure out why bad things happen to good people and why things don't turn in their favor. But what you don't know is that what you cannot see today is there is a God who is working on your behalf. Your situation is evolving. It may be changing, but there is a solid rock you can stand on that will never change. Jesus Christ, the same. Yesterday, today, and forever. There's something about humanity that's very intriguing to me. I say this today, not so that anyone has sympathy whatsoever, but it's just interesting in the last several weeks how our lives have changed. As of yesterday, the last two camp meetings that I had scheduled for this summer finally canceled. We went from a a crazy summer schedule of camp meeting after camp meeting and conference after conference. And yesterday, the last two that we had on the schedule said, it's out of our hands now. We have nothing else to do. There are meetings that have been happening for over 70 years. That this will be the first time in over 70 years that they have not had that meeting. This is an evolving, changing process. And people are struggling with it. They're struggling to find some kind of solidity, something that brings them security. We change our calendars and we become conscious as we do so that We ourselves have changed yesterday as our calendar was changing and evolving. Literally within 30 minutes of one cancellation, I received the last cancellation. And I started shifting. And I told my wife, I sat down at the table and I said, Well, I guess we better find us a couple of campgrounds around here that we like. We're going to be pulling our trailer around and... Camping and and relaxing. So we went from a crazy, crazy summer. um, Still have a couple of things scheduled, but no more camp meetings. Where literally you're closing out one meeting, come home for, for the weekend, go to the next meeting, come home for the weekend. It's insanity. But as our calendars evolve, we evolve. We become conscious of the fact That really nothing in this world stays the same. Then we glance around us and we realize that not only have we changed and our calendar changed. But everybody and everything has been changing while we were changing. 
And even while we're in the act of thinking about change, we're changing again. Because while we're thinking about how this has affected us and we got to change our perspective on something else and all around us is changing as we look at what has just changed. Now, I'm not trying to play tricks with my tongue here. I'm telling you a fact. It's unbelievable how quickly things move and how quickly they change. Change is both the salt and the poison of life. It is the salt of life in that it keeps us from a monotonous life where every day is just the ordinary and mundane. It takes some flexibility. It is the salt that keeps us moving, that allows us to realize that we're really not in control at all anyhow. And then it is the poison that is truly a paralyzing effect to some of us. And I find that the older I get, the less I deal with change okay. The older I get, change is harder. There are things that at one time I would have said, yeah, go ahead and change it. But now I don't want to spend the energy to change it when I like it and it's okay. There's really no reason to paint it when the paint looks okay that's on the wall right now. There's, there's really no reason to buy another car when this one runs okay. You understand what I'm saying? I, I, I don't like change, but it's inevitable. You can't change change. You can't fix change. It's going to happen. It is salt and it is poison. Yet change in and of itself is the very nature of life and it is necessary for life. Change takes on the guise of death and checks the movements of life. People that you anticipated spending a lifetime with, all of a sudden the rest of your lifetime looks different because they have been removed from The picture. Thus we are perplexed. And we are now looking down the barrel of a whole new gun. Because we're shooting in a different direction. You thought your retirement was going to be with this person. And now that person is gone. And you'll be retiring by yourself. And you thought your parents would be there until they were old. And you got to sit beside their bed and... Watch them draw their last breath only to realize that they too were gone too soon. And about the time you think you've got a grip on everything in your world and your church is going and you're rocking and you're having revival and souls are being turned inside out and the waters of baptism are being troubled, all of a sudden they come on the news and say, all over the world today, we're shutting down globally because change has happened. There is now a virus in the earth. I was in California on the first Sunday that they started closing California down. Brother Young told me the other day, he said, you are the last person that preached to a full congregation in our church. You're the last person that preached to a house full of people ever since then. It's been over video. Do you understand what has transpired in America and in the earth over the last four to six weeks? Folks, you cannot stop change. You cannot stop the fact that from here until Jesus comes, this is going to be a whole new world. But what I want to encourage you and tell you today is that before this pandemic hit the earth, I didn't control tomorrow then. And I don't control tomorrow today. 
and I don't control what the sun's going to do. If the sun comes up tomorrow, it won't be because I made it come up. And if the sun sets today, it won't be because I made it set today. Do you know who rules that? Do you know who judges that? It's Jesus, and he is the same yesterday and today and forever. The things that I don't know, the things that I don't understand, the questions that I have, he is greater than those questions. We are perplexed by change and earnestly do we desire today to find some center of permanence, some secret perhaps of understanding how to get more control of what our reality becomes. Don't let me lose you on that. We would love to be able to chart our course for the next 20 years. Say that's it. Now, while we're looking at the sickness that has transpired, I want you to think about the people who set all of their hope of their retirement in the stock market. I personally have friends that are well invested in the stock market and have been financially independent for many, many years. And since this thing hit, they've had to put mortgages on their homes that have been paid off for many years. Because they have no clue what tomorrow is going to bring. No permanence of any kind whatsoever. It's like our only stability is knowing that it's completely unstable. Can't figure out. But have you ever found out in your lifetime that when your world is rocking and reeling and you completely lose control, that's when God does his best work? Have you ever realized that when you feel like you're completely out of control, that you're absolutely smack dab in the middle of the will of God? Have you ever discovered that when you thought you had it figured out and it failed, that there was a God who knew what you didn't know, and He is a God that sits high but He looks low, and He's able to come down in the middle of your confusion, in the middle of your chaos, rest His hand on it, and say, Be at peace, my child. You don't control this storm. I will control the storm. I preach it to you Wednesday night. It's in times like this that you've just got to say, what manner of man is this? The winds and the waves, they obey him. I don't control the wind and I don't control the rain, but I do know who does. I do know the master of the wind. I don't have to worry. Hallelujah to God. I don't have to fret. I don't have to worry about what tomorrow holds. I know who holds tomorrow. My, my, my. We as humanity need some center of permanence in our lives. Not an anchorage. Not an anchorage. But some sense of permanence. An anchorage means limitation to monotony. An anchorage ties us down. An anchorage belongs to a ship, yet it is The hindrance of that ship. It is by design the thing that hinders the ship from doing what the ship was designed to do. As a ship is pulled into anchorage, 
There is the constant tug of the ocean pulling and pushing the ebb and the flow of the shoreline. That even while at anchorage, there's something in that boat that says, I was created to swim. I was created to float. I was created to move over these rough waters. That was my purpose. Yet it is the anchorage that holds it still and holds it steady. Jesus Christ is not the same yesterday, today, and forever as the anchor that holds us in a sure place where we're not affected by the ebb and the flow, but rather he is that sure place that during the ebb and flow of life, when we have no control, he is that anchor that we can cling to, that solid rock that we can stand on. He does not tie us down during the storms of life, but rather the anchor gets on the boat. And he does not hold us down from pressure. He does not keep us from the rain. For the word said that the rain will fall on the just and the unjust. But in the midst of the rain, he is my confidence. He is my permanence. He is my... He is my shelter. Oh, my, my. I am fully aware that in this same letter I read to you today, in Hebrews, the 13th chapter, but in that same letter in the 6th chapter, I am aware that there is reference to us having an anchor for our soul. Yet in such form it's contradicted in the very suggestion that it makes. For understanding the hope that is set before us. Which we have as an anchor of the soul both sure and steadfast. Yes that's in the book but let's finish the rest of the verse. But let us today understand that the anchor that is sure and steadfast is an anchor of hope. Entering within the veil. In other words, beyond the secret place. Our hope is there an anchor. It's not an anchor that holds us to the secret place, if you would. But rather the anchor that when we run to the holy place. He becomes our security in knowing That in a world that is troubled and perplexed on every side, we are pressed down. But we are not destroyed. We are troubled on every side. Yet no weapon that's formed against us. Oh my God, I feel him on Sunday morning. I'm telling you that our hope is an anchor of rest. That in a storm-tossed life, we can run to that anchor. And he is a sure place. God, I feel the Holy Ghost in this house today. Woo! Somebody ought to shout hallelujah right about now. Oh, my, my, my. The anchorage that you and I need in our life must have some element that is sure, unshakable, persistent, 
continuous, never destroyed, never weary, never changing, never sleeping, never slumbering. But knowing that because he never sleeps and he never slumbers, that we can go ahead and find our rest. That I don't have to get up and pace the floor in the middle of a... Whoa, God, I feel it. I don't have to be at unrest because he never finds rest. I don't have to be worried because you can't make him worry. I may be caught by surprise, but he's never been surprised. He's never been caught off guard. Even when I'm caught off guard, there's never been a season in my life that I've gone through that at some point I didn't sit down and scratch my head and say, what am I going to do next? But let me tell you about your God this morning. He's never sat down and scratched his head and said, what am I going to do next? How am I going to bring them out? He's a God that has a plan. And before he brought me to it, he had a plan to bring me through it. I feel like telling you this morning, do not fear. Do not be afraid. I know everything's going to be all right. Several years ago, there were some pretty perplexing doctrines that people were committing to their minds, some kind of a new age way of thinking. It's like, if you're looking for a way to God, you find it within yourself. That every man has to find his own path to God and you can find that within your own self. Never counting the aberration of the steps that we take in wickedness. As we move to the right when the Spirit said go to the left. Yet it's that same intuition that I've not been able to trust as of yet. Wherein I'm finding direction of the God within me. I've never understood why people would buy into a doctrine that said you've got to find within yourself that deity, that higher power is within you. Folks, if I'm counting on what's happening in me to find a higher power, we're all in a mess. Because from where I see right now, the waves are really high. The mountains are really tall. The rivers are really wide. But I want to know today, like the old song said, are there any rivers that you thought were uncrossable? Are there any mountains you cannot tunnel through? My God, he specializes in things thought impossible. And he can do what no other power can do. I'm telling you this morning, I'm not going to find him in me. I'm not going to find him in a higher power. He is the highest power. He is the highest authority. There is none like him.
So man starts looking within, which is truly the only place where we find sincere instability. <laughs> Look, we've all been through some hockey in here. Everybody's had your doo-doo days. We know what it's like. When it stinks to the high heavens and we fall apart. And so it leads me to ask the question, why would I find my trust, place my trust in something that continues to fall apart over and over and over and over? He's the only thing that holds me together. You say, preacher, you don't understand this morning. My life is so full of stink. I've got so much junk in my life. I'm not sure that it's not too late for God to do something for me. You know, I'm glad that you brought that up today. Because the story is told of a man that was a friend to Jesus and his name was Lazarus. And the Bible said that Lazarus had given up the ghost and he died. And about four days in, Jesus made his way. And when he got to where Lazarus was, Mary and Martha said, Lord, why didn't you come four days ago? Lazarus is now in the grave and behold, he stinketh. They began to tell Jesus how it was too late for him to work. But I've got news for somebody on Sunday morning. The stink did not stop him. He was not intimidated by what man said was too late. So when you think it's too late, I want you to know it's right on time. saying is that place of security where I find anchorage if it's within me and it falls apart so often to whence shall I return when I need a solid place am I making any sense where do I go because we see two disciples that followed him pretty much for the same amount of time both just as close to the Savior never really a time that they were any further out of step One was named Simon Peter. The other was Judas. Both of them had instinctive moments of trusting within themselves. Made some foolish decisions. One of them kept trusting in himself. And the the more he talked to himself and trusted in himself, he kept hearing the same voice that failed him to get into this. And it said, Judas, you'll never come out of this. You've gone too far. You might as well just end your life. You have absolutely wasted the best opportunity of your life. And Peter denies the very same Savior. As a matter of fact, he denies him on multiple occasions. When given the opportunity to make it right three times, he was led astray by his own thinking. He was led astray by his own mind. Yet there was awakening in one of those two disciples. The one kept listening to the inner voice. And the other started listening to the only voice. And when Judas took measures into his own hands and his failure became greater than God's forgiveness. Oh, I just preached right there and you missed it. 
I said when his failure became greater than God's forgiveness. He found himself cutting a life short that could have been there on the day of Pentecost. I think that's a great idea. I think it's a great idea, Oprah. I think every man ought to trust in their own selves. I think every man ought to trust in their own power. Yeah, that's, that, that's great, Mr. TV News host. I think that's a wonderful idea. Why don't you go ahead and bring all the yogis on? Why don't you go ahead and bring all these uh, inner thinkers on? You know, oh my God, what a higher way to think. You've got to find it within yourself. I thank God that I don't have to trust me on a bad day. Everybody all right? We got to get on the ball here. I know. I thank God you folks love me. But I don't have to. I really hate to bust your bubble this morning. But I hate to tell you all this. Sometimes your pastor has fleshly days. And when people, people honk at me and give me the finger, it makes me as mad as it does you. Well, I hope it wasn't a white Honda Pilot. Because I wasn't driving it. It would have been my wife. If you can't laugh in church, you might as well quit. I've had, I've had times, looking back on it now, that if I would have went ahead and, and, and did what I felt like was right then, what I thought was right at the time, oh, man. See, don't nobody want to help me preach right now. Because we're all extremely wise when our back's against the wall and we know all the answers. But if you'll sit down on that and take it to the Lord in prayer for just a few days. I don't know who I'm preaching to right now, but I feel like telling you. Don't you be making a permanent decision based on temporary circumstances. Put your feet on the solid rock of ages. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Cast your cares. I feel like preaching. Cast your cares on the Lord, for He cares for you. I'm trying to help somebody this morning. I can't tell you how many times in my life that I've come to a door that I knew was the will of God. And I twisted on the door handle and it didn't work. So I got out my Holy Ghost credit card and I started picking the lock. I said, okay, I know this is the will of God. This is where he brought me. Not every door he brings you to is for you to walk through. Sometimes he brings you to doors for you to learn discernment in your life. Now, I'm not cutting down on anybody, and it's nobody that's here today. It's only people that I've pastored in the past, okay? 
pastored people at some point in the last 20 years that came to me and said, Pastor, God brought me to this. Okay, good. I'm going to pray with you. No, I already, I already know it's the will of God. And so they, they kick the door open. And it's hanging off the hinges. Splintered and all whacked up. And then when they walk through the door, they say, see, Pastor? The door's open. Yeah. It is. It's wide open. And now you've walked through it. And it can't be fixed. So I'll see you in two months. I'm going to do what y'all are doing to me right now. I figure this kind of preaching deserves to be sat on. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you watch God work, Pastor. Yeah. I watched him work. Now your fists are bloody. You've cracked every credit card in your pocket trying to get the door open. Broke the blade off your pocket knife. And I'm sure glad that you keep trusting yourself. For the decisions that you're going to make. You know what I found? I, this is not apostolic rhetoric. You can't get mad at me for preaching this. I'm just going to preach a word to you. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not to thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him. And he will direct. I feel the Sunday morning preacher up in here. I said, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not into your own understanding. In all thy ways, acknowledge him and he shall direct thy path. Why? Because he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He never fails. heard me say this before but I've challenged people as they test the will of God for their lives they often make reference to one scripture that they don't even know where it's found nor do they know the end result of what happened in the story and they say Brother St. Clair I'm positive because I fleeced God and so I love to pose to them the question, where, where was that found? And why were they fleecing? And how did they fleece? And how did they know what the answer was? Why do we call it fleecing? Does anybody in here know what fleece is? What, 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 uh, this is not a trick question. Like, what is it? Go ahead, Sister Carwater. It's a sheepskin. So why do they call it fleecing? Because they took sheepskin with hair on it and laid it outside. And they said, okay, we're going to fleece the Lord. And then the rest of the story remains to be seen. Was the ground wet and the fleece dry? Or was the fleece dry and the ground wet? So then how do we know whether it's the will of God? 
Huh? I feel like helping somebody on here. There is an easier path to righteousness. And it's not doing what Luke St. Clair wants to do and then blaming God for it. Every now and then I've got to bring myself back to the fact I don't know what I'm doing. I'm just a man. And there's somebody at church on Sunday morning that's going to need some answers from God. And I've got to get myself in alignment with the will of God. Get myself under the spout where the glory of God is coming out. And say, Lord, I need you to speak a word to me right now. Lord Jesus, I'm hurrying. I know your crock pot's burning right now. In the book of Revelation, we find some pretty clear understanding at the opening because, let us not forget, the book of Revelation is not a revelation of the end time. It's a revelation of Jesus Christ and what he's speaking to John about the seven churches. But understanding the power of this chapter in chapter 1 of Revelation. Let us remind ourselves of the eternal freshness of God. In other words, He never gets old and stale. His mercies are new every morning. It's fresh. His direction is always right on point. Do you have any informers? Please don't raise your hand. Do you have any informers in your circle that they love to be the one to tell you the news? Been out for eight months, but guess what I heard today? And you've been holding that in your prayer closet for months. Well, he don't do that. Because he doesn't get his news off somebody else's press. (laughs) He's always alive. He said in verse 18, I'm he that liveth and was dead. And behold, I am alive. Oh, man, y'all are helping me. I'm alive forevermore. But can I remind you that he is always the beginning of some new thing. For he said in verse 8 that he is the alpha and he is the omega. He said, I am the beginning. I am the beginning. I'm always realizing something new. He said, but I'm not only the beginning of a new thing. I am the consummation of an old thing. I'm he that begins the work. And I'm he that finishes the work. I'm not just the author. I am the finisher. Can I tell you this morning that you and I know the beginning to the end. But he knows the end from the beginning because he's not just the beginning. He is the consummation of all things. He is the finality of all things. He is the closing chapter of the book. And I've read the back of the book. And the back says that he wins. And when my daddy wins, I win. And no weapon formed against me. It's going to prosper. Thank you.
coming to a close. So I would say to you, the song we sing here, been a while since we sang it. It simply says, if you've tried everything, and everything has failed, try Jesus. Where does the scriptural context of that song come from? It comes from a woman who had an issue for 12 years. And the Bible said, Brother Tony, she spent everything that she had. She exhausted every resource that she had. She had spent it all on doctors. She had spent it all on specialists. But when Jesus came through town, she joined his webcast. Oh, see, nobody wants me to preach this right now. It was something. Because when Jesus passed by, she just watched the webcast and she got her healing from the other side of the road. What? Y'all must be reading the old Bible. I'm in the, I'm in the new Bible. This says the new way of church is going to be online till Jesus comes. What? Nope. This is not going to be the new way. If she could have got her touch from the other side of the street, she would have stood right there and the blood would have dried up. But the Bible said that she had already tried from a distance and it didn't work. So she got down on her hands and her knees. Don't you think you're... You're not going to do it without some resistance. But she pushed through. (laughs) She had to try. And she pushed. Oh my God. And she looked up. Tyler, she realized I'm not quite there yet. But if I could just get to where he is. And in a moment of fighting through everything that had resisted her, she reaches out just beyond herself as he passes by and she touched the hem of his garment. And Jesus stopped in the crowd and he turned around and said, Who touched me? who touched you Jesus said I'm not talking about the paparazzi I'm not talking about you people that are here because it's a big deal I'm talking about the people that know I'm a big deal I'm talking about the one that fought through all of you so you can get a selfie with me she's not here for a selfie she's here to be healed she's here to be whole hey this Sunday morning is not an opportunity for glamour it's a time for a breakthrough in your life you've got to get it in your heart Jesus is the same we've got to come to him today so let me just leave this here with you Some folks say, I'd come to the Lord if I hadn't got hurt at a church. Oh, you missed it. Church people that have hurt you have nothing to do with God. 
Because church people are no different than work people. They're flesh and blood. They get stinky attitudes. I'm not going to tell you how I know that. People get ugly. And they say things that they don't mean. But they deserve to be forgiven as well as you do. It is time for you today to make up your mind in this house. I've waited as long as I'm going to wait. I'm not going to wait till the next virus. I'm not going to wait till the next pandemic. I'm not going to wait till the world falls apart. I'm going to come today to the one that never changes. He never fails. He never sleeps. He never slumbers. I've tried it my way and my way didn't work. I've tried it my way and my way failed. But today I'm reaching out for the master. I'm going to reach out and touch him. If I can just touch the hem of his garment, I know everything's going to be all right. If I can just touch Jesus. If you're here today and you got a mind full of questions, I want to tell you that you can get baptized in Jesus' name, get full of the Holy Ghost, and still have questions. But at least you have espoused yourself to the answer. Can we be real today? I want to see the hands of every person that's been baptized in Jesus' name for the remission of your sin, filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost, and your life has been perfect. Well, I'm offended. All right, let's try this another way. How many of you have been baptized in Jesus' name? Filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost, but you've been through some stuff. So what you're saying is that the presence of God is not the absence of trouble. But we don't need less trouble. We need more God. Is there anybody here this morning that don't mind stepping out by faith and declaring this morning, I need him. I need him every day. I need him every hour. I need him in the morning. I need him in the evening. I need him when it's good and I need him when it's bad. I need him on the mountaintop and I need him in the valley. I need him when I'm swimming and it's over my head. I need him. I need him. I need him. Oh, I need him. Come on, by faith right now. Stretch those hands of faith to heaven. Father, we've got to have you today. We've got to have you today. We cannot do without you, Jesus.